0: while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk.
1: Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest, Lane Lyons. Lane Lyons, JD, believes that you can't grow your business from a place of fear. She uses her 26 years of experience as a lawyer to protect women entrepreneurs' businesses and their peace of mind. By adding proper legal foundations, her clients uplevel their businesses, welcome more profitable opportunities, and soar with confidence. Unlike many lawyers, Lane uses plain English in all the contracts in her legal umbrella method. Because she knows that legal stuff is often intimidating and overwhelming, she makes everything simple, straightforward, and easy to understand with real-life examples. She's also an avid hiker, a disco dancer, and a full-time nomad, having visited over 40 countries and counting. During today's episode, Lane and I discuss contracts and what you should put in those contracts to protect yourself when you are hiring both contractors and employees. Because you want to make sure that you have yourself covered and that you're operating of a, from a place of confidence rather than fear of what could happen when you go to hire a team member to help you with your business. So let's jump into the conversation and learn about what you should put in a contract in order to be protected when you are hiring, who should provide those contracts, and so much more. Hi, Lane. Thank you so much for joining me on the Growing Your Team
2: podcast.
1: Thanks for having me here. Yeah. Can you start us off with introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your business?
2: Definitely. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. I'm Lane Lyons, a lawyer and legal expert for women entrepreneurs. I help women grow their businesses by helping them use the right contracts and legal foundations to protect their businesses, themselves, and all their hard work. I believe that when you're in fear, you can't grow. And if you're always looking over your shoulder, worrying that something that you're doing or not doing or something that you're saying or not saying is going to come back and bite you in the buns, then you're gonna hold back and you're not gonna build the business of your dreams. And because you can feel that energy of holding back and other people can feel that energy too. So I help my clients have confidence and peace of mind to build their business strong with a solid foundation that can support anything that that they or you wanna build on top of it. And I think my secret sauce when it comes to talking about legal is making things really straightforward and easy to understand. I know that legal stuff can be intimidating and overwhelming for a lot of people. So I very intentionally use real life examples and funny stories to help make the materials relatable and easy to understand. So basically I provide the contracts and other legal foundations for women to grow their businesses. And I have all of the contracts that women need including the base level contracts to protect their content their money, their brand, their relationships, and their whole online presence. And I also have all of the advanced protections that women need for leading masterminds, memberships, group programs, and of course, for hiring your dream team. And that's what we're going to talk about today.
1: Right. Yeah. I I love everything that you're saying there because it's one of those things that I can echo so much for the conversations I have is so many people are afraid of taking that next step because there's so many what ifs and how do I protect myself? And how do I ensure that that things are gonna go right and I don't put myself in a worse situation because I take this step forward? Yeah, So you
2: you wanna take steps forward, but you wanna make sure that you're doing it in a way that isn't going to leave you open to a lot of drama because the bigger we build our businesses, the more people that we're connected with and the more exposed we are. Just the reality is, Money right. is changing hands, we're meeting people, especially in today's world where we're working on, in the online space and we don't even meet most of the people who we're working with, our clients right. and even our dream team members. I have several people on my team who I've never met face to face. So what you've got to do is make sure that as you're growing, you're having protections in place, just not from a place of, oh, I'm gonna get sued, but from a place of, I wanna build my business strong, and predictable and profitable and drama-free. So by having that strong foundation, you're good to go.
1: Right, so one of the things that I wanna start off talking about is contractors versus employees. Because I feel like that's something that people don't understand, especially operating in the online space. Everyone's like, oh, just hire someone as a 1099 team member and you're all set. Where I always have to come back and say, hold on, wait a minute. Can the position actually be a 1099 team member, or are you going to treat it like an employee?
2: So briefly, can you give us a quick overview of the two and the differences? Definitely. And that is a great question because we've got to make sure that we're not categorizing someone who actually is an employee as a 1099 independent contractor. That's the da- the danger isn't so much going in the other direction and treating right. someone as an employee. The danger is treating someone as an independent contractor when they're not. So there are a couple of hoops that you have to jump through to make sure that your contractor actually is a contractor. You want to make sure that you are not exclusively working with her, that she is not under your control, meaning she needs to have discretion in the manner and the way that she carries out the activities for your company. Right. That even if you give her advice on how to do something, you're not really directing her. She's got to have freedom for herself and independence for how she's completing the work, what time she's working on it. Is, is, are you free to hire other employees? You want to make sure that in every single way you are communicating and putting out there and articulating to the world that she is an independent contractor right that it's not an exclusive agreement that she is free to contract with she is free to contract with other businesses you're free to hire other contractors for the same position and here's a really really big one that i just want to end up with which is that each party is individually responsible for complying with all of their taxes, insurance, and licensing at its own, at your own sole cost and expense. So meaning you've got to be clear that you're not paying taxes on her. She's got to be clear that she's not paying taxes on you so that, neither, so that you're not responsible to pay her benefits, workers' comp, retirement insurance, So by making sure that you've got a really solid written document covering those, really those were five points, covering those five points, you're going to establish that the relationship is a relationship of an independent contractor. And as you're working together, you're going to be consistently watching to make sure that you're not exerting control over how she does the work and triggering that employee relationship.
1: Right. Yeah. Those are some of the things that I see people... Uh, stumble on all the time is like, first off, they're like, I want a full-time contractor. And it's like, wait, hold on. Because if someone's full-time for you, they probably can't work with someone else. So that's side number one. That's most likely they're an employee, but then also just establishing that right relationship and understanding like who's in control of what and knowing that you can't control everything that they do. You can't control from A to Z. As I always say, when you hire a contractor, you're pretty much in control of the final outcome, the results that they're going to provide to you where they're responsible for everything else in between.
2: That's right. And I think we have to think back to the typical days of like an office, right? To, to have in our mind, put our, our mind through this framework of, is she actually an employee? So if you are controlling the place where she works, you are providing all of the materials, you're providing, like, you know, I think back to the days of company cars, right? right? So if you're giving someone a company car and you're telling her what time she's got to show up and she's got to show up at your office and she's got to use your computers and your pens and pencils to do the job, chances are she's probably an employee. So when we've got people who are working remotely now, we're a lot, some of those things are really in the past and we don't even have to focus on those things, but we still have to focus, the biggest thing is about this control to make sure that she is in control of how she does the work, not you. Right,
1: and I think that's an important thing to reiterate is just because someone is working remotely does not automatically mean they're a contractor. It's about the control. That's right. Right. Okay. So we determine that someone is a contractor. Now the whole thing I know a lot of times comes up is contracts. How do they protect themselves? Who should be providing that contract, the contractor or the person hiring the contractor? And what should really be in this contract contract to protect both sides? So can you give us a little advice about that?
2: Definitely. And I believe that every person who is out there working and hustling should have her own contract. So when I have a contractor come work for me, of course, I've got, you know, as the, as the hiring, I've got my own contract that I want her to sign. But it's pretty typical that I'll have somebody, especially in a more executive level position, I'll have somebody come with her own contract. Me, you know, even as a lawyer, I really respect that. And I'm not, I think there's a hesitance. I just want to highlight this hesitance that I think people have sometimes about, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to show up with my own contract. But just so people know from a lawyer's perspective, and I've been a lawyer for 25 years, I respect that. I don't see that as pushy. I see that as a a business, a woman who's actually running a business and who is strong and confident and she's got her own business buttoned up. Right. So- There is no problem ever about two contracts unless the two contracts don't match. That's a big no-no. So what we've got to do, I really recommend if you've got two contracts, meaning the hiring agent had the contract and the contractor brings her own contract to the table, I really recommend that you have a professional look at those two contracts to make sure that there is nothing that's out of alignment because courts do not, courts never mind two contracts, but they do not like two contracts that are in contrast or contention that don't align perfectly. So you'll, and you'll want to have some language. If you have two contracts, you want to have some language tying both contracts together. And that's definitely best left to somebody with some legal experience.
1: Okay, that totally makes sense. So as long as you're having some sort of contract out there protecting it, it doesn't necessarily matter which side it comes from
2: correct? Exactly. Exactly. But you've just got to make sure that you have a contract. And I think when we're talking about contracts for hiring, the biggest pitfall here is going to be expectations. What are the expectations? And if you don't, if nobody brings a written contract and you just pick somebody up and she starts working for you, how are we going to know what the expectations are, what your expectations are of her? what her expectations are of you. And there's lots of things to think about when we're looking at a contract for hiring. And if it works for you, I can go through some of the, some of the key things we wanna make sure are in our hiring contracts. Yes, definitely. Okay, super. So there's a lot of things that I'm sure everybody knows needs to be in a contract, kind of the beginning part of the contract, right? What do the services include? How much money is gonna be paid? How are you gonna invoice me? How am I gonna pay you? When are you gonna invoice me? When am I gonna pay you, right? These are both sides talking here. So what happens if a payment is late? What about reimbursable expenses? So if my contractor, uh, let's say that she gets a Canva subscription in order to work for me and we need to get, for example, Canva Pro, who's gonna pay for that, right? If she lays out the money, she wants to make sure that I'm going to be paying her back for that. So we've got to have that in writing. I also like to see that reimbursable expenses have to be pre-approved so that there aren't any surprises. And she says, well, I had to go to Nordstrom's <laughs> as, part, as part of my business expenses. I had to buy a new dress. So yeah, we want to make sure that those expenses are pre-approved. Right. What about communications? When is she going to be available? Both parties. When can you expect a response? When are, they, when are both parties available to communicate to each other? We wanna make sure that if you're, as a contractor, if you only work, let's say Monday through Thursday, nine to three in your time zone because you have kiddos at home, we wanna make sure that, you're, that your hiring agent knows that so that she isn't expecting you on a Friday afternoon To respond or on a weekend, right? So we've got to have that in writing. And I think those are pretty much the basics that everybody is aware of. And now we get into some of the more technical areas that I see in a lot of hiring contracts are missed. Let's start with a non-disclosure clause. So what is a non-disclosure clause? This basically means that the contractor is going to be exposed to a lot of confidential material in working for especially in working for us especially in a more executive position right maybe a virtual assistant isn't really going to learn anything about the inner workings and the financial inside information about your company but as soon as we're talking about somebody who's more involved let's say that they're working in your customer platform or they're working on your financial in your financial back end or your sales, they're going to see your financial information. We want a non-disclosure to be signed so that that confidentiality is established and watertight so that you're able to share confidently and know that your information is not going to be shared with anybody outside of your company. Another big
1: one that- With that that non-disclosure, is that something that should be within like, this is all one contract? Or should that be a separate document?
2: Yeah. And that's a great question. So I like to see a hiring contract that has a non-disclosure embedded inside of it. Okay. I'm really, I'm all about simple in my business and I'm all about making everything very simple and actionable. So if you've got three or two or three or four different contracts, that really can become a big mess. You can have a non-disclosure contract as a standalone if you're just bringing someone in on a single project. So you don't need to have an entire engagement agreement with them, but you do need to have them sign a, not an NDA or a non-disclosure just for a specific project. For example, if you're hiring somebody to edit a book, you don't need to have them in an entire agreement, but you definitely want to have a non-disclosure on that written work so that your work is protected. So you can't have it as a standalone, but as a hiring contract, I really like it to be embedded. Okay. That makes sense. Then we get into the areas of non-compete and non-solicit. And I think these can be really confusing for people. So let me just break it down quickly. A non-compete, and this is of course, these things don't come into play with your base level uh, virtual assistant that's maybe overseas, that's working for you for 10 or $15 an hour. You don't need to worry about them working for a competing business. But when you've got somebody in a more executive position or somebody who's going to be in the inner workings of your business, who's going to be learning everything that you do in your business, how you run your business, how you, what are your trade secrets? We want to potentially consider limiting them from working from either working for or starting their own competing business. So that's what a non-compete does. It limits to the geographic area. So you can say, you know, in the times of businesses, it used to, you know, of of a lot of brick and mortar businesses, it used to be, well, I don't want anyone to open up a competing business in the whole state of California. But now that we're virtual, what we're seeing is a bigger trend for coverage over the entire United States. We We want this to be a reasonable geographic area. We want it to be a reasonable limit. Really common, I see, a year, 18 months, two years, so that your contractor is, is, Prohibited from working for a competing business or starting her own competing business for a period of time in a specific geographic area so that she isn't able to learn everything from you and then go and start her own business. Right. So that's non compete. Non solicit is a little different and maybe even more important. And this is that during the business relationship and for some period afterwards, again, one year, 18 months, two years. and and after the termination of the relationship, that your contractor cannot directly or indirectly take any of your business away from you, meaning solicit any of your past or existing customers or attempt to sell or provide a competing product or service to your past or existing customers. You can see this is really important, right? If you've got let's say an executive assistant or, or an OBM or a project manager, and she's got your entire contacts list, your entire client list, we wanna make sure that she's limited in what she can do with that list, especially if the relationship terminates and potentially right. doesn't terminate on the best foot. We can also have a non-compete about agents, meaning she can't hire out from under you any of your team members. And we wanna make this really clear in our contract just so that you're able to feel really comfortable. Both of you know what the parameters are and everybody's working to feel really safe right from the outset.
1: Right. I have a question about that. So let's say, okay, they sign that, that they can't hire anyone who worked under you, but you have a team member that decides on their own that they want to go work for that other person. See, and they didn't solicit can that team member go work for that other person? Or does that company then have to say, I'm sorry, at this point in time, even though you're amazing, we can't hire you because the fact that there's, it could be seen as soliciting that team member, even though it's the team member's own free will that makes them want to move uh, companies.
2: Yeah. So that's a really, really great question. And it's really not about what the intention was. It's about what you've signed in your contract. So, my contracts all prohibit directly or indirectly diverting or soliciting. Indirectly soliciting means I didn't do anything. I just showed up to work and I was hardworking and great every day. So, other people wanted to work with me, right? That's indirectly soliciting. It doesn't have to be through your own efforts. The rule is what it says in your contract. So, if it says, no, comp- you cannot take my agents and have my agents work. For you for two years and that's the two years and even if that's going to let's say limit your other agents from working for this terminated agent the the point is who, who what what did the contract say and if the contract said can't my agents can't work for you for two years definitely stand. you can say this you can always go around contracts, whatever your clients say, let's say you're, just so I can give a real life example. If you have a contract with a client that says no refunds and somebody comes to you with a very, or no refunds after seven days, and you're in a situation where somebody, let's say the pandemic happened or somebody's parent becomes ill and they need a refund from you. I always teach my my private clients, you can always be less strict your contract says you can just never be more strict so going back now to this issue of soliciting or non-soliciting your agents if you want to on a case-by-case basis give permission for something that was written in your contract i just recommend you you can i just recommend that you get that in writing so that everybody's on the same page and you can even go back to your original contract you can cross off a section. You can modify the time frame. Let's say instead of two years, you just want to do two weeks because now we've gotten to the two-week mark and your agent wants to work for your ex-agent and we've got this kind of sticky situation. We just want everything to be in writing so that if there ever is any dispute over what happened and how, what direction we're going in everyone is on the same page and nobody is getting into the drama. That's the biggest thing is that having things written down will save you from the drama. Right. And
1: I love that. And that's something I've had conversations with clients in the past of about things. They're like, well, what if X, Y, Z happens? And it's like, you can always make exceptions. Definitely. You can always let something like be a little bit more flexible definitely putting something in place to protect you. So you can then say no, because of the contract, because it's protecting you, it's protecting the team member. It's, it's that relationship that you're both agreeing to, and you always have the power to change it. If, if needed
2: on a case-by-case basis, let's say something tugs on your heartstrings. You want, you want, you want to go outside of what you've established, but I really like to see women have very clear, solid, business policies in place so that you're not on a, every single time trying to establish your boundaries. You've got your boundaries. They're clear. They're well-articulated. They're in writing. And then if you want to make an exception to that, then you're absolutely free to do that. You are not hemmed in by your contract. You are protected by it. Right. That's great. Great thing. So I think you had other parts of the contract, right? Or Yeah, so one more big part that I really think is important to talk about is intellectual property. And what we're talking about here is who is going to own the materials and content that your contractor or that you as a contractor create. So if your contractor comes in and she creates materials for you, like a sales page or social media posts, or she's writing your view, who's going to own that material? We've got to be really careful here and it, especially in the world now of outsourcing so much content creation we've got to make sure how are those who owns the rights to the material and if the if the hiring party doesn't own them automatically in your contract which i like to see automatic owning but if they do, if you don't own it automatically let's say that it's a ghostwriter who's writing chapter by chapter by chapter, and the ghostwriter wants to own the drafts. So we've got to make sure that if we're not going to have an automatic transfer of the ownership rights of any content, that we've got something in our contract that covers how those rights are going to be transferred over to the hiring party, the party that ultimately will own the content. So how are we gonna do that? And we need, and that maybe sounds more complicated than it is, but we just wanna have in writing that maybe every pay period the rights transfer over, or maybe every time a chapter is using the ghostwriting example, maybe every time a chapter is approved, the rights auto to the rights to the final automatically transfer to the contractor to, to the hiring party, or The contractor holds onto those rights until the end of the project so that she protects herself from getting, making sure she gets all of the payments. There's just certain things to think about and we want to make sure that we're covering all of them. And then the last big thing really is termination. And this is a, this, I think everybody who has led a team knows that eventually all good things must come to an end. And we really want to make sure that we have clear written policies about who can terminate and what the consequences of either party terminating are. So if the contractor terminates, what happens to any outstanding payments? What happens to any advanced payments? If the company terminates, what happens to any outstanding payments that were meant to be happening? And what happens to the pre-approved expenses that were incurred by the contractor? So we've got to make sure also that when we terminate that the contractor immediately returns the company materials and ceases using any login credentials or administrative access to the company's materials. And if you've got all of those pieces, you're pretty much clear that you're not going to have a dispute. But my final piece is if you do have a dispute, we want to make sure that we've got the terms of how any of those disputes are going to be handled. I really like arbitration. Arbitration is a little bit like mediation. It's like a baby step towards court without actually going to court. So we want to make sure that where is that dispute going to be handled and that it's going to be handled in the least expensive, most efficient and quickest way possible so that everybody can get back to doing their business and nobody's bogged down in these big disputes. Right.
1: Okay. That all makes sense. That is so much helpful knowledge of everything of what should be in these contracts. So so for that, like what we talked about, that's mostly if you're going to be working with contractors, but what about employees? One of my past clients, they had an employee that was insisting on a contract. And for this one, they're like, wait, we already have the offer letter. We have a handbook that goes through a lot of these things. Should you be creating contracts with employees?
2: I definitely like a contract for an employee as well. You know, I think what, it's kind of the flip side of what we were just talking about with an independent contractor. The, there are so many things that come into play when you have an employee, you wanna really be clear on what's the schedule. What, meaning the, work, the time schedule, the work schedule. What's the location? Is there bonus pay? What about vacations and holidays and benefits? And exactly the opposite thing that we were talking about with independent contractors. We wanna make sure that we've got written provisions talking about the taxes. So making right. it clear who's paying who's paying the taxes and what taxes you're gonna, because you are gonna be paying a W-2 on her. So we wanna make sure that we are have that in writing. And perhaps we wanna have other things when we're talking about an employee, we maybe wanna have a probationary period. We wanna have, perhaps we wanna have a compensation scale so that compensation, of course, is going to be subject to state and federal deductions, but also is that going to be some kind of a schedule where there'll be a pay increase after a certain period of time? You know, so we've got the probationary period, thinking about an employee who's going to come in and work for a specific period of time as a test period, but then we've also got to think with employees about long-term and what's going to happen after she's been with you for 12 months or 24 months, what's going to happen? I always say the best time to figure out these details is at the beginning, when everybody is in the best frame of mind possible, the honeymoon period, right? We don't wanna be figuring these things out halfway through or afterwards. And of course, if you have to, you, you, you have to figure it out as you're going, but we wanna to try to get these things ha- hammered out and nailed down as we're starting these relationships. Right, so with that, a lot of the items that
1: you just mentioned, I would say are typical items for a handbook, so is there a difference between a contract and a handbook?
2: Oh, definitely a difference. A handbook is a great way to share with your employees, or even you can have a, a handbook that goes like a business manual, that an operating manual that goes to your independent contractors. So somebody, just to be clear, somebody doesn't have to be an employee to have a, a handbook, but a handbook is really about your policies, your practices, your procedures, your standard operating procedures, how you run your company, maybe... Things You can think about things like employee dress code, right? When, right. We're, when we're thinking about an employee handbook. And of course, company culture. The contract is really for the nitty gritty, who does what? What are each person's responsibilities? And where a handbook is more of a one way, often more of a one way telling the employee or the contractor what she needs to do. I really like a contract to be fair and balanced and also share about what the companies, the hiring parties responsibilities are so that you're both being bound to what everybody is going to be doing when you're working together. And of course, the biggest difference is that a contract is signed by both people so that both parties are bound legally bound nobody is bound to an employee handbook it's more of a was it maybe uh, jack sparrow said it's more of a suggestion it's more of a guidelines right so a handbook is a really great way and i'm a big proponent of having a handbook or an employee manual in your company so that everybody is clear what all of the expectations are but nobody is bound to what it says in an employee handbook
1: okay that makes sense so What else should people think about or have in place to be protected when they're going to hire and expand their team?
2: I think the biggest thing is you need to make sure that this person is on the same page as you and a good fit. Anybody who has run a team has been burned, I believe, by having someone who wasn't the right fit for them. And I recently heard something that said, hire slow and fire fast, meaning take your time when you're interviewing candidates i think that's really an important an important key thing here is take your time and make sure that this person is a good fit because once somebody comes it's almost like having a guest at your house it's easy to invite them in but it's hard to get them to leave especially if the right. if the champagne is flowing and everybody's having fun it's really hard to say okay lights off people it's you know it's time to go home so same thing when you have an employee you know not to be silly but when you have an employee or a contractor in your company It's easy to get them in there, but sometimes the damage can happen when they're in there for too long. So I really recommend if the writing is on the wall and it is clear that this person is not a good fit for you, then let them go sooner rather than later, even though there's a hesitation of how am I going to find another person? How am I going to find the right person? If you know this person is not the right person. Then you need to get rid right. of them. It's like, it's like holding on to a piece of clothing in your closet that you know doesn't look good, doesn't make you feel good, doesn't light you up, and you're holding on to it because you don't have another white sweater. You don't right. If a white sweater is not making you feel good, you need to, you need to let it go. And I don't mean to be callous because I think these decisions have to be made after a lot of consideration and thought. But once you know that she's not the right fit, you have to have a procedure to let her go and smoothly transition her out, do the offboarding, and then immediately, don't get down, don't get down, just start the process of finding the right person. And of course, take the lessons that you've learned. I think, you know, your podcast and your show is so much about the lessons that we all as entrepreneurs learn from hiring and growing our teams. And so there's so much valuable wisdom about taking an experience, having a firsthand experience for yourself. And taking that experience and applying it to the next time you hire someone else.
1: Yeah. There's so much good things that you said there. It's like, first, if, if someone isn't working, get rid of them. I hear so many business owners talk about, it's like, well, I'm not going to be able to find someone else. And I'm like, yes, you will. It's better to go through that effort of finding someone else than be paying someone who's not doing the job that you're paying them to do. You're wasting money every day, keeping those people on your team. And also you're wasting your time. Think about all the effort you have to put into someone who's not working out. It is way too much. Get them out of there and find the right person because you can totally find the right person.
2: I agree. And I think you know, anybody who's in business for a while knows that the things that look like the biggest disasters often end up being the greatest blessings <laughs> that happen to right. us in our businesses. I personally had somebody working for me and I was hesitant. I was hesitant even to take my own advice and to cut, cut ties and let her go because I kept saying, I don't know how I'm gonna find somebody. And of course, right away, as soon as I created that like anything in life, as soon as we create that opening. Something often wonderful rushes in to fill that space. And that's, of course, what happened. Right. And another thing
1: that you said that I really want to stress is you talked about the hiring slowly, firing quickly saying, and I feel like the way you said it is so important that I want to reiterate this. Hiring slowly does not mean not hiring when you have a need to hire. It means making sure you're hiring the right person. So don't pull the excuse, I'm going to hire slowly, which means I'm going to put off getting the help my business needs. No, if you have a need to hire, you need to hire, just make sure you're finding the right person.
2: Agree completely. And make sure you have a written agreement (laughs) between yourself and them so that you're protected. That's the big, that's the biggest lesson here. I think in this episode is just have it in writing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so I feel like there's so many other questions I could ask you about, but I know we're getting close to the end of the time. So I want to ask you one more question before we start wrapping up. I know you mentioned you had a team member that, you know, you kind of held on a little bit too long, but what other lessons have you learned with your own team that would be helpful for our audience to hear
2: to hear? Yeah, well, I definitely have learned that communication is key. And if somebody is and and to for me to share about that in the interview process. Because if somebody is just not going to be a communicator, no, no amount of begging them to communicate is going to change how they are. So I personally really like to have my fingers. I, I try not to be a micromanager, but I really like to know everything that's happening on my team with all the different open projects. And if I'm having to chase after someone to get status updates, on a consistent basis, that's not gonna work for me. So I think right. knowing, my, knowing your own style, if I didn't know, I know that I'm a communicator, but if I didn't know that and I kept bringing people on my team who were maybe not really apt to give updates on Slack or on, or on Trello or ClickUp and they weren't really letting me know what was happening, that would be really hard. So I think you have to know your own style and what's important to you as a business owner. So that if I know who I am, and I know that I'm a pretty silly person, I'm a pretty silly (laughs) woman, like even though, even though I'm a lawyer, and I'm, I've got a serious job, I'm pretty silly. And so if I've got people on my team who are not willing to, to, to deal with to, to deal with the fact that sometimes I will break out singing in the middle of a, a work call because something funny happens and it tickles me in the right way. And so you've got to know that you want to surround yourself with people who are going to be fill those needs that you have. And so I'm a pretty grounded person. I can tolerate having some little bit airy people on my team, but maybe if you're a more airy person and you know you need to be reined in, You got to get some women on your team who are going to help ground you and help get things accomplished. So, knowing myself, knowing yourself, I think is a big key to not making mistakes. Right. Well, thank you for sharing that. So, Lane, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, that's a great question. So, if you have, I've got two different options. If you've been listening to this episode and you're thinking, hmm, I might get my legal in order. I realize I really haven't handled this. Then I invite you to download a free checklist. Again, it's super simple, things into actual bites. Exactly what do you need to practice to protect your business? And you're going to get that at lane slash checklist. And the checklist is just going to tell you exactly the first steps you need to take to protect your business and how to take those steps. But for anybody listening to this episode who's got more of a tingling feeling in their toes and is thinking, I definitely need to have this handled. I've got to get my legal handled and I'm ready. Then I invite you to book a call with me. And the best way to do that is to go to bookwithlane.com. That's bookwithlane, L-A-Y-N-E dot com. And we'll have a conversation in which we'll take a deep dive into your business and I'll help you identify all of the places in your business in your business as a whole, and of course in your hiring arena where you've got any potential vulnerabilities and I'll help you craft the perfect plug to plug up those vulnerabilities and get you back on track so that you can build the business of your dreams.
1: Well, thank you, Lane. And I'll be sure to share those links in the show notes so anyone can get in touch with you that wants to. All right, so last question. I always like to ask this question of all my guests. We've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager that you have had. And can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I had the unbelievable pleasure of working in my father's law firm, when I first was when I was a young lawyer. And so for the first year, I was able to work with him and see how I knew that my father was a great lawyer because I had watched him in court, but I had never been in the day-to-day experience of seeing him run his team, a big, big team of many, many lawyers. He was the senior partner at his firm. And what made him such a great leader and something that inspires me every day when I'm leading my team is that he really listened to everybody's input to what other people needed. Of course, that made him a great lawyer because he was able to listen to both sides of an argument and think about all of the sides, but he brought that skill into managing his team. And even though he had the ultimate say in decisions, he would gather a lot of information from other people on the team and hear different perspectives. And of course their perspective and how things were for them, how things were occurring for them before he made any big decisions that affected the whole team or that affected the firm, sometimes that affected a case. And it really was inspiring to me to see how somebody could listen to other people, to bring other people's opinions right to the top. And I really tried to do that with my own team and ask them, what do you all think about this crazy new idea that I've got, (laughs) that I'm cooking up? Who wants in on this crazy idea?
1: Yeah, I think that's great. Like leadership really isn't A silo where it's like just like you going down. It's not a one way street. It's like you have to listen. You have to get that input, because not only does it make the team feel more involved, it also opens your eyes to different opinions and points of views that you don't have as the leader because you're only one person and you might be missing something if
2: you don't listen to others. Definitely having other people's perspectives, especially people, these are, these are your raving fans, right? They're on the inside with you. These are the people that have the, the only people who have the, maybe except for your dog, who have the perspective (laughs) to be able to say, I see how we're running this. And I think it could be improved this way. So listening to other people, I think is a really big key. Right.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that lane. And thank you so much for coming on the growing your team podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. Thanks everyone for listening. And that wraps up
1: this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.